As we jump into the word today, we're starting a brand new series called Serve. Everybody say serve. You can do better than that, say serve. Now, serving and servanthood, uh, servant, servitude, if you will, is one of the key uh, doctrines and key um, characteristics of Jesus. And so as we jump into the series, um, we're going to do a three-part series, and we're actually, in a couple weeks, going to serve our communities, and, uh, which will be super um, exciting. Uh, we get reports all the time from our city um, uh, officials, hey, uh, can you guys help? There are, there, there are elderly people who can't, um, they're, they're getting fined because they can't crust, cut their grass or their fence is falling apart. Um, uh, last year or the year before, I forget which one we did this, but I had the privilege, I was on the single mama's house and we were painting her roof, I mean, her chimney scape was all falling apart and we were fixing that and uh, just, just to be able to serve our community and this is who the people of God are. So sign up for that. We'll do that in a couple of Saturdays from now. Uh, I know each and every one of you, as you love God, you want to be able to express that love to your community. And so we want to give you opportunity to do it. We'll do it by way of small groups. We'll all just show up as small groups. And we'll go to the positions that our leadership has given us to go and, and cut grass and fix things and just show our community how much we love them. Isn't that good? Say yes. Aren't you happy to be a part of church that's actually touching the community? Come on. Well, as we jump in today, our key scripture in today's teaching, we're going to call this part one, and that is God's people. We're serving God's people. And Hebrews chapter 10, and ver- excuse me, chapter 6 and verse 10, it'll be our key passage. It says, God is not unjust. Do you believe that? Say yes. Do you believe that? Say yes. I just need you to confirm it to yourself a couple of times. When things aren't going your way and you see the wicked prevailing and the things you prayed for aren't coming to pass, just remember, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. This is a pretty powerful passage of understanding that when we serve and love one another, we're actually, as we serve and help one another, we're actually showing love to God. That's what this says. It says, and he says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I know sometimes in the, in the spiritual family, we want to kill each other, shoot each other, knock each other out, leave each other, throw each other off to the side, go find another group of folks. But I want you to understand something. The beauty of sticking together and serving one another. He says, when you are doing that, he says, you're actually showing love to me. So if helping God's people is showing love to God, then what is not helping God's people doing to God? What a question. And the reason why I bring this forward to you is not because we have any major problems to fix. I just want to be sure that we're a church that acts like, looks like, and is being what Jesus was. I just want to be sure that we understand. In fact, let me give you a couple other passages about this. Galatians 6 and 10 says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are called to serve the household of faith, the brothers and sisters in Christ, to care for one another, to help one another, to use the gifts that we have. In fact, look at 1 Peter 4.10, says it like this, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Do you understand that each and every one of you have been given God gifts? 
Romans talks about the gift of administration, the gift of leadership, the gift of serving, the gift of finances, to be able to give uh, financially to people and help. He had the, the spiritual gifts out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. These are all gifts. And it literally says in 1 Peter, it says, we should use whatever gift that we have received to serve others. You've been given gifts so that you can serve others. That's why you've been giving these gifts. You say, I don't know. I don't know I have gifts. I, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, shameless plug, if you go to our grow track, if you go through our grow track, and that's, again, people all the time come to me and they say, Pastor, I love this church. How do I connect? It starts with our grow track. And in that, it's a four-week, four-lesson engagement with you, with our leadership, to tell you what we believe, uh, how we positioned our church, where does our money go, who's our oversight, gives you the opportunity to study and do an assessment with us of your spiritual gifts. And by the time you finish Grow Track, you are able to identify your spiritual gifts. You're able to identify the gift that God's given you so you can help others and helps you find a place in this church to serve so that you can use your gifts. In fact, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28 says it like this, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. Do you understand that my Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve? Who Jesus was is the greatest servant of all time. In fact, I would equate leadership as being simply nothing more than serving. Because the greatest leader in the history of humanity, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, did not come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life as a ransom for many. And if you don't catch this, I want to help you understand. In the earth, there are two kingdoms fighting against each other. There are two warring factions going on in the earth today and has from the creation of humanity in the moment that Adam and Eve sinned. And that is the kingdom of God versus the kingdom of darkness. It is real. It is happening. Whether you're aware of it, conscious of it, engaged in it or not engaged in it, there is still a fight going on between two kingdoms. The kingdom of our God, Jehovah God, his son Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit at work, and then the kingdom of darkness. The Bible many times calls it the worldly system or, or the kingdom of the enemy. And there are these battles. There's this battle. In fact, the Bible talks about us taking new ground where the enemy had control in that area, taking new ground, pushing back the gates of hell. There's this back and forth going on in the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And I want you to understand, rest assured, God's kingdom will reign forever and will dominate and destroy the kingdom of darkness. But until that final day, we are in a battle. Are you with me? Say yes. We're about in a battle against our own worldly desires. We're in a battle in the DNA of the world that we came out of and the kingdom of darkness that we came out of. Each and every one of you were born into sin. I was born into sin. It's more natural to sin. And we grew up in a kingdom of darkness. We came to Christ at some point and we were then ushered into a new kingdom. And every bit of that kingdom is different from the kingdom that we grew up in. You just need to know it. And so there are things that are not natural for you. They're not natural because of the kingdom of God's way of doing it versus the kingdom of darkness. And you were perfect and excellent. Some of you are experts at the kingdom of darkness way. Some of you are magnificent at it. You are the best liar. You are the best. You are the, I mean, woo, you are convict number one. You just didn't get caught so much. And you are awesome at lying and cheating and manipulating and, and gossiping and slandering and being hateful. You are awesome at it. You were an expert in that kingdom. The problem was you became a Christian and now you're in the kingdom of light. And the DNA here is different than the DNA here. 
and they battle against each other. And that's why sometimes you feel like you are riding the fence because you, and you get splinters in your crotch because you've got this DNA <laughs> and this DNA going at the same time. Are you tracking with me? This is real, I don't care what you think, this is how life really is about. I can't stand all these people that walk around, hallelujah, hallelujah, yeah, 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 yeah. Let you get in a fender bender in the parking lot of Walmart, let's see you hallelujah then. Because you still got some of that old kingdom still up in you. But one of the things I want to bring out to you is the key element, you have to get this, one of the key characteristics of the people of the kingdom of God led by Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, is servanthood. It goes against everything I was raised up in. I'll never forget my grandmother told me, you don't let anybody get it over on you, boy. You understand me? You're a smaller guy. So what you're going to have to do is they start messing with you. You let it go at that moment, walk away, and then you come back when they're not looking, and you knock them out in the back of the head with a brick, <laughs> lay them on the ground, and then stand over them and say, if you ever touch me again, I'll kill you. And that's how I grew up. I made sure that, oh, okay, okay, yeah, all right, all right, all right, I'll back down because you got your boys, I'm by myself. Wait till after school when you ain't looking. The kingdom of darkness. And so when I became a Christian, and everything I read was Jesus served them. He laid down his life. I was like, that is weak. That is weak sauce. Like, how can you live like that? But you don't understand. The kingdom of our God will destroy the kingdom of darkness. And the DNA of this kingdom, no matter if it doesn't feel right, look right, seem right, at the end of the day, it is right, and it will destroy every bit of this. So in your normal nature is to not let anybody get over on you. But the Bible says, why not? Why not let them take advantage of you? They took advantage of Jesus because at the end of it all, you will be reigning with Christ because you are joint heirs with him. Jesus snookered Satan into killing him because if he'd ever known about his humility and dying on the cross in all humility and weakness, that that would cause him to be able to raise up as the lion of the tribe of Judah, he would have never killed him. Do you understand the difference in these two kingdoms and the difference in the DNA? And so whenever you start feeling like you have to dominate a situation, whenever you start feeling like someone's taking advantage of you, let me teach you what you do. You step back over into this kingdom and say, I'll serve you. You can't take it from me. I'll give it to you. Here, let me carry that for you. Oh, you want me to? And see, the Romans were doing this to the Jews, and the Jews were so angry about it because they had been dominated by the Romans. They had basically been captured, overtaken, and there was a dominant group of people. They were a majority and they were a dominant group of people and they mistreated the Jews. And so in Jesus' time, they came to him fired up about it. And Jesus said, listen, let me tell you what you do. Let me tell you what my kingdom does. We don't go get over into their DNA. Let me tell you what my kingdom does. If they ask you for your coat, give them your shirt too. If they make you or say to you, you have to carry my stuff. One mile was the rule that they had to carry it. And he said, then you would be in the middle of doing your job. Maybe you're a farrier, maybe you're, maybe you're a craftsman, and all of a sudden Roman soldiers, weary from walking, would stop you and say, come carry my stuff. And by law, so they did, you didn't lose your life, you had to carry it but only one mile, then you could go back to work. And Jesus said, no, 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 take it and carry it two miles. Blow their mind, because my kingdom's not like that kingdom. What I'm building is not like what they are, for the kingdom of darkness will pass away. But the kingdom of light will reign forever. Which kingdom are you in? Are you tracking with me? Say yes. 
And so Jesus actually models this the most amazing in John chapter 13. Turn there with me quickly. As you turn there, I'm going to kind of set the pace of what happened in this moment. It's the Last Supper, John chapter 13. It's the Last Supper. They have um, prepared the meals, and the, the disciples have gotten in one of their normal things that they do. They can sense that something's happening. Something big is here. Jesus has been telling them, I'm going away. He's actually told them that he'll be killed. They've had these back and forths with Jesus. And they're in this moment, in this Passover meal that they're about to have, and they begin to argue again who's the greatest amongst them. It's amazing. Now, the meal is very special. It's a celebratory moment. It is a special meal that happens frequently throughout Jewish culture, but this is that once a, once a year kind of a celebration with the Passover. And Jesus and the, and the meal is there at the table. But what has transpired is no one has washed their feet. And by way of culture, by way of them, the way they live with the sandals and the dusty roads and all that, when you would come into a meeting of this sort, you would absolutely have the lowest person in that household have the feet of, wash the feet of the guest. Well, they rented this house. They rented this space. There is, it didn't come with a little servant person that was going to wash their feet. And none of them had be, dared been down to wash one another's feet. So the feet had not gotten washed. And so as you've probably seen in some of older pictures that you, or maybe some study that you did, even in Middle Eastern culture today, you'll find them, they'll recline, they'll have these kind of just barely elevated little tables and they'll be leaning on these giant pillows and kind of supping from the table as they're leaning and, uh, and they're feet will kind of be behind them or off to the side a little bit and Jesus all of a sudden jumps up and he grabs the basin and he grabs the towel and he begins to go around washing their feet and the reason why is because well I want you let me put it in terms that you might would understand you would never go to grandma's Christmas dinner dressed in old ratty type of clothes you'd wear your Christmas clothes your nice clothes you would be clean shaven you would show up smelling nice and that's what this scenario should be, but yet they've got grime all over their feet. And it is the lowest position in a household that would be demanded to go clean the guest people's feet, but no one's willing to do it, again, because they've rented this home. There's the 12 of them plus Jesus is 13. So Jesus takes the basin, he takes the towel, and he begins to go around washing their feet. Now, I need you to understand, not only was this practical, but it was deeply supernatural. If you've never had someone wash your feet, it is the most humbling thing you can ever experience. Because the first thing starts happening for us as Americans, like, oh, man, I ain't cut them toes in a while. Oh, Jesus, I still got that funk left over from high school. My Jesus, and it's super uncomfortable. The only people laughing is people who've experienced this with me. And then they start pulling off your shoes, and you're looking down at them like, you cannot do this. It is humbling to the one receiving because how humble the person washing your feet is. And in that moment, Jesus is washing their feet, and you have to understand, he is face-to-face -face with them. They're between him and the table because they were probably leaning like this. And as he comes around, they have to literally turn and sit on their buttocks. And he's washing their feet and cleaning their feet. And as he goes from, they were probably speechless in the midst of this process. In fact, when he gets to Peter, Peter's like, oh, no, sir, you will not. No, sir, you will not. Like, now you want to act all humble. Now, Peter, you want to act all humble. Jesus said, if I don't do this, you don't have a part with me. I want you to understand what he's doing. You don't have a part with me. It's not that your feet are gross. I am showing you 
what the DNA of my kingdom is. And if I can't do this with you and you can't receive this, because what I'm doing is I'm imparting into you the servant's heart. I'm imparting into you the baseline for Christianity, for the baseline of following the Lord your God, that you will become a servant like I'm a servant to the world, to the broken people of this world, to the church itself, being a servant and loving and caring about them more than you care about yourself, caring about their value more than you care about your value, because you already know who you are. And when you already know you're valuable, then you don't have to go around trying to pretend like you're valuable. You don't have to go around getting people to tell you you're valuable because you already know you're valuable. So then you can give value to others. Why? Because you already know who you are. Some of the most prideful, arrogant people in the world are little bitty people on the inside because they don't know who they are. They have no validation within themselves with their relationship with God. So the moment that you do something that strikes that little nerve, you ain't going to tell me what to do because they're back in that old kingdom. But when you've been in the kingdom of God long enough and you've been sitting at his feet long enough, like, like Pastor uh, Lance was talking about, he begins to give you such value that you can then be humble and give value to others. But if you've never known who you are and you still don't get it and you're still fighting in the church to everybody to notice you or you're still fighting to somehow be recognized and you just don't feel like you've been respected or all these pieces that happen to all of us, what happens is you can't serve. Why? Because you don't know who you are. And Jesus says, I know who I am. Give me your feet, buddy. Give me your feet. I know who I am. I'm the king, king and the Lord of lords. So it takes nothing away from me to be able to serve you and love you. In fact, I'm pouring into you who I am. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life as a ransom for many. So he's washing the feet. And Peter then finally says, okay, well then wash every part of me. He's like, that's not what we're doing, buddy. It's not what we're doing. And then he gets up from the table, he gets up from, from washing their feet. And then let's move into verse 12 of John 13. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments, and resumed his place. Where was his place? At the head of the table. And resumed his place. He said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? Notice the preposition. What I have done to you. Not for you. What I've done to you. I have just taught you a lesson of what it really is to be in the kingdom of God. And to be like me. And what I did to you just now is I began to change your DNA because you'll never be able to think the same. I just messed you up. I just messed you up and you don't even know what's happening now inside of you. I have just given you the true picture of what it is to be like God. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life as a ransom for many. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. But going on, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. If I being the Lord, you're right, I'm the Lord. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to have false humility. I am God in the flesh. And if I've done this to you, then... How ought you to respond to your brothers and sisters in Christ? That's what he teaches. What was he doing? He was being sure that from the very beginning that the birth of his church would have the foundation, the true DNA of servanthood. I wonder, I wonder some 2,000 years later how much we, the church, had that pure DNA still in us. Or how much of this old worldly competition and needing to be 
noticed and all this kind of needing to be served. How, how much of that has tried to creep over into this kingdom? This kingdom will reject it every time. Reject it every time. Why? Because it's, it's too healthy. It'll reject that sickness. It'll reject that cancer cell. It'll push it out. And so that's why people literally can't bond within the body of Christ. Because they keep trying to bring that DNA into it. And naturally, the Spirit of the Lord won't let it. It keeps rejecting it. It keeps rejecting it. It's unbelievable to watch this in process. So with that being said, let me give you some effects of serving one another as the body of Christ that will have on your life. Write these down. I think they'll change you forever. Number one, the first effect that when you begin to move in a place, in a position of serving one another, God's people, when you begin to serve one another, this is what's going to happen. The first thing going to happen is going to start healing offenses. It's hard to stay offended, right, when you love. And what is the greatest expression of love? Serving. Serving. So when you love someone, you serve them. Why? Because you can talk about love all you want, but the expression of that talk, of that emotion, of that real sense of love is through serving. And so when you serve them, either you get free from being offended at them, or they eventually get free of being offended at you. It it literally heals the offense. So how do you equate love? You equate it not by bringing her flowers. You equate it by serving her. How do we, the body of Christ, going to get past all of our offense? Listen, you cannot do life with people without getting offended. If I have not offended you, you have not come to this church long enough. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. In fact, I plan on it. I plan on making somebody mad today. (laughs) Why? Because I'm the pastor. And I'm me. And what I am is not necessarily what you are. I mean, I offend her every day. She looks at me like, boy, boy, if I didn't love you so much right now. Why? Because the true test of love is will you continue with me after I've offended you? Beyond that, it's just infatuation. They're so awesome. They're so wonderful. Oh, you ain't been with them long enough. Right? I love when new people come to Hill City. They're like, this is the greatest. <laughs> mm, it is. It's so good. Oh, my last church, this. And Pastor, my last church, this. And I tell you, this is so much better. <laughs> How long you been with us? Three weeks, Pastor. It's the greatest. Yeah. We're going to get you eventually. I tell people all the time, just keep coming. We'll offend you eventually. Why? Because you can't do life with each other without offending each other. You can't. It's not possible. Jesus offended offended his disciples. He offended everyone that he spoke truth to, right? Offense is inevitable, but love wins out in the kingdom of God. And the way we do that is by serving one, and it heals all of those offenses. Heals all those offenses. Just heals them. Just serve one another. It heals all that. Yeah, we stupid. We, we're all humans. We make mistakes with each other. Here's a second effect. Are you still with me? Say yes. Here's a second effect that serving one another, as he's told us to do, will do. It will break off pride. And we know clearly the scripture says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So I can't feel God anymore. That's probably because pride's in the way. He's resisting you. And what it does is when you and I humble ourselves, and start serving one another, it breaks all that pride. All that pride. Every bit of it, it breaks all that pride. Can I explain to you, pure humility, you know what it is the result of? It's the result of understanding the grace that's been extended to you. You know why people don't walk in humility? Because they have no idea the grace that God has extended to them. 
that you're not dead, that you didn't get stabbed, that you still have the ability to go have a job, that your brain didn't fry, that you're not suffering with mental health. It is God's grace that has been poured out upon you. In fact, there's a man by the name of John Newton. I would imagine most of you have never heard his name 100 years ago or so. You can find his tombstone in a cemetery of a parish churchyard in Olney, England. Pretty cool tombstone. What's written there is this inscription. John Newton, pastor, once an infidel and a libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa. He was a slave trader. Was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. This is on this man's tombstone. He'd been a slave trader. He'd been a libertine or a libertine, however you want to say the word. Was, uh, that was the word that we used in old English to represent a, a morally decayed person without any kind of conviction. A pervert mostly had to do with sexuality. This man was a pervert. He was a slave trader. He was, he was a wicked individual. But obviously, God had come into his life, poured out grace and mercy on him. And what did that man then do with all the grace and mercy he received? He became a pastor and began to serve the people of that small little village. And it was written there on his tombstone. You don't know his name and you don't know his story, but you know the song that he wrote. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Because I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. But now I see. So maybe next time when the cafe doesn't get your latte just right. You could remember the grace that was poured out on you. And have a little bit of mercy. And maybe what you then could do is say, you know what? I'm going to help you guys get them lattes going. Let me pull aside for just a second, set my stuff down. Y'all need me to wash those dishes back there? This is the kingdom of God. It is about serving one another. And it's hard to serve when you're full of pride. It's hard to love when you don't recognize how much love's been extended to you. And grace has been extended. The reason why this man was able to turn his whole wicked life around, he went from this kingdom into this kingdom, and he knew the grace that he didn't deserve to even live. As a slave trader, there's a special place in hell for those people. But he understood he was pardoned and graced by the living God. So he began to serve God's people and make it hard to go to hell from little Olney, England, where he was buried with his little tombstone, recognizing the great grace that God had on him. Brings me to... Number three, the third benefit, if you will, or the third effect of serving God's people. And that, what it'll do for you, it'll, it cures worldly culture. It cures worldly culture. You start serving, it'll cure worldly culture. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25 through 27, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. 
and their high officials exercise authority over them. Verse 26, but not so with you. Everybody say, not so. Turn to the person next to you and say, not so. Turn to the person on the other side and say, not so. Not so with you. Instead, oh, you're not going to like the rest of it, but I got to teach you anyway. But instead, whoever wants to become great amongst you must be your, say the word, say it out loud. You can say it through grit and teeth, but you still got to say it one more time. Servant. That goes against everything I was raised in. That goes against every leadership book and class I took. The greatest is the servant of all. He says, you know how the world system is. You know how they rule over them and dominate them. Not so with us, not in our kingdom. The greatest is the servant of all. Once again, in this passage in Matthew 20, they had been arguing amongst themselves who's going to be the greatest. Because you got to understand, they had an ideology. If, the, if this is truly is the Messiah that we have left everything to follow, we've left our businesses, we've left getting married, all these single young guys, when only one of them was married, only one of them was over 20, that was Peter. We've left, we fought, we're in our prime of establishing ourselves and be like, you know, quitting college to go, you know, fall off to some guru, somebody. We've fallen this guy, we think he's the Messiah. And if that be the case, he's the Messiah, then he's gonna, according to their thought process, he's gonna destroy the Romans, he's gonna set up a heavenly kingdom on earth, and we are going to rule with him. And you gotta think, Judas is thinking, CFO, baby, CFO. Peter's thinking, chief communications officer. They, they got all their little plans and they're arguing about who is the most important in this circle. Bunch of knotheads. And Jesus said, whoa, 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 again, let me talk with you because you got the wrong kingdom and you're trying to bring that into what I'm establishing is the kingdom of God on earth and it's not gonna happen because the greatest amongst you will be the servant of all. And when you and I start serving one another, it literally cleans up all that residue from that old worldly culture that's still in us. It cleans it up. You start serving, you just all of a sudden, and it's hard, man, it's hard, especially when brothers and sisters aren't kind, especially when they take advantage of the moment. You're like, look, I'm volunteering. I ain't gotta do this. <laughs> you, you understand, our kids pastor, our kids pastor, um, we give them just a little bit of a stipend our kids pastors or kids directors, he is the head of the, what is it, the Texas, help me? Trinity Wastewater Department of Dallas. So last week when all that flooding was going on, he's responsible. He's got a huge crew of people. He makes a lot of money and yet he volunteers and takes a little stipend to be your kids director so your kids have good ministry. He don't need us. His tithe is more money than we could ever give him. He got, he's, got, he's got company cars, listen, and humble, running around, just humble serving you guys, helping you sign up when the iPads aren't working. You can, it's not working. And he's running over there trying to help you. Do you know what he did last week in all the flooding? He was working 14-hour days into the night so that you could flush your toilets. This is, you need to understand that we are servants of all. Nobody does this because they, you know, they're getting some out of it. We're all in this together, serving one another. When we take on the nature of Christ, oh my goodness, the beauty that comes from that. Here's number four, and that is the benefit of serving one another is that it empowers the server. Let this sink for a moment. It empowers the server. 
He's just like, I just don't, I just don't know. You know, when you start using your gifts to serve others, the power of God begins to surge through you. Seriously. I have multi-streams of income in my life. You know why? Because I want to get to the place one day where you and your tithe does not give me any money to preach to you. I love using my gift to help you grow so much that I don't want you to even have to help me finance it. That's, that, that would be the joy of my life. That's why we have multi-streams of income in our, in our life. Because you know what? Because I, I feel so empowered by God when his gift is activated in me as I serve you and I love you. And when you come up to me and say something stupid, I just say, oh, it don't matter. You know why? Because I'm using my gift and I feel powerful. <laughs> I'm feeling so powerful right now using the gift of God. It's so exciting. Wow. And some of you are so purposeless in your life because you have never activated your gift. And you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do in my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Why do you think I got all these young people running around serving? Because I'm helping them understand their gift when they're young so that when they're old, they don't, anyway. And so that they understand the joy and the empowerment of using their gift within the body of Christ. All of our young people run around running everything. Run, they're running everything. Why? Because we're teaching them from the very beginning. Why? Because I don't want to reproduce what we all came out of. I don't want to reproduce that. And so they're running around. Our youth ministers get that. Our kids minister get that. All, of, all the kids are running around serving. Why? Because I want to teach them from the very beginning. This is the power of God at work in the earth. Servanthood. And when you use your gift, do you feel that power? Do you feel the excitement? Do you feel the purpose generating in you? Yeah, it's humbling. Yeah. And people sometimes take advantage of you. Yeah. But it doesn't matter why. Because the power of God surging through you. Charles Dickens said it like this. No one is useless in this world who lightens the burdens of another. I don't feel like I have any reason and purpose. Start serving. I'm just telling you, it'll change your life. My whole life has purpose because I, I, I just serve the people of God. And so I wake up every day with so much excitement because I get to serve the people of God. What an honor. It gives me such power. Brings me to number five. We got to wrap it up quickly. And that is number five. It shows the world that we belong to Jesus. Right, John 13, 35, he says, he, he literally, he says it like this. This is how they'll know you belong to me. This is how they'll know you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. The way you serve one another. The way you love one another. All the time, the neighbors in my neighborhood where I grew up with my mom and dad, after we got saved, they would come over and they would say to Pop and Mimi, we want a marriage like yours. Neighbors who didn't even know Jesus. Because they saw the way that they served one another. They saw the way they loved one another and served each other. And they were like, you have joy that I don't have. And the reason why is because they were in that domineering, self-needy, self-propagating kingdom of darkness. And when you get into the kingdom of light, then you have to start killing off that old DNA, that, that self, that self that, has to, that has, to be, has to be patted on the back all the time and, 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 and has to be you know, validated all the time. And when you get into this position of a servant and you just say, I, it is my joy to serve one, it makes the world look up and go, you with Jesus, I can tell something's different about you. It literally causes the whole world to realize there's something so different about you, you must belong to Jesus. One of the guys in my small group called me a couple weeks ago, a couple Saturdays ago. He said, Pastor, I hate to ask you to do this. He goes, but we are moving the piano. I need just one more set of arms. And he knew who to call. (laughs) 
I say that very jokingly because in the middle of all that dancing we were doing, I got a Charlie horse in that calf right there. I realize as you get older, why y'all don't dance as much, y'all like, let the young people do it. I got hip displacement and stuff. Y'all can worship all y'all want. I'm going to just do this right here. So, and, and I can't tell you, he, he's never really asked me to help him with anything. It was, I'm telling you, it was this natural joy. I just went running over and he's like, it's take your time. I know, because I was in the middle of something. I said, no, I'm shutting it all down. I'm coming over to help you move a piano. Why? Because I, I felt like Jesus. I was like, man, I get to love someone in the body of Christ in a very practical, servant way. Man, we're picking the piano, you know, moving in this house, you know. We're getting this, ah, the door frame, ah, on my fingers, you know. We're getting it in there. We get it all set up. And I was so excited about getting to serve him. I'm like, what else you got around here? Let's see what else you got. We start walking around the door. Lord, look at you. Uh, you want to cut them limbs? I got a chainsaw. I mean, it was, why? Because we were made in the kingdom of God, the DNA is to serve one another. That's the natural DNA of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of darkness is to oppose you, to put myself on top of you, to somehow get all my needs met, and you over there are, in, are weak and you're sissified. It's amazing to hear all these scholars talk about and all these intellectuals how weak Christianity is. Yeah, for in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. And at the end of the day, at Judgment Day, the revelation when you had, I fought to get to the top only to realize that everyone I stepped on hates me and is trying to take me out. It's so much more enjoyable to fight to get to the bottom and realize that nobody's trying to take me out because nobody wants to be down here. <laughs> Are you with me? This is Christianity. Come on, somebody. So as you're sitting here, you're saying, Pastor, I hear this word and I want to serve. At Hill City. Well, I want to put a QR code up for you right now to take out your phones because we have multiple places that you could serve in. Our kids' ministry in Mansfield is begging for some help. We've got needs all across that we, when we, in our Sunday gatherings, that we just need some extra servant love from the body of Christ to just be able to help the new folks that are coming in, the visitors that are showing up with the welcome team we need. I mean, there's, there's, there's places for you to use your gift. If you'll pull up the QR code on your phone, it'll take you to some, take you to a little piece that you fill out and, and someone will contact you and you can talk all about, you know, how we want to connect in. How can we use our little gifts? Listen, I remember a few years back having a multi-millionaire, multi-millionaire holding the door. Welcome people. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. I'd ask him, man, how do you feel about welcoming people? He goes, Pastor, it's my joy to get to serve the body of Christ in this way. I can't be here often because you know I'm always making business deals, flying all over the world. But it is a joy to be able to use my gift of just being kind to others and showing people respect. It's my joy to get to use my gift. I feel empowered by God. There you go. There you go. You and I will be at our best when we're serving others, specifically God's people. I want to read you this from Kevin Harney in his book, Seismic Shifts, talking about the seismic shifts that have to happen for revival to come to the earth. He writes it like this. Picture a church in which everyone wants to be served. Each person believes the church exists to meet their needs, to make them happy, and to cater to their whims and tastes. Imagine a congregation in which everyone has a take-care-of-me attitude and is quick to complain whenever things are not just the way they feel they should be. Sadly, some people don't have to use their imagination to picture such a church. This kind of church will never have a positive impact on the world. 
it will grow small, inward, and unhealthy. This kind of church does not honor Jesus and bring glory to God. This is not a church ruled by a servant spirit. He says, now imagine a church in which every single member, every single person has a passion to serve others. Think about what God could do through a group of people who are committed to sacrificial ministry to each other. These people know that the Holy Spirit has given each of them unique abilities or spiritual gifts that are to be used for building up people and bringing glory to God. So they are purposeful about discovering their gifts and developing and using them. What could God do through a church like this? This is Hill City. To be a people who serve one another, who serve our community, who loved the way Jesus loved, who didn't have to dominate, didn't have to be the biggest and the brightest and the best, who were very, very comfortable with the DNA of the kingdom of God. For Jesus Christ did not think it below himself to take on the nature of a servant. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and lay down his life as a ransom for many. I want to minister to you for just a moment, so would you stand with me quickly across the room? Come on, wasn't that a powerful message from Pastor Adam today? You know, we, we believe in this moment that this is not a simple thing, that we believe that this is actually a holy moment. And maybe you're watching from a coffee shop over in Milwaukee, maybe you're in your living room right now with your family, and maybe this message really impacted you to say, you know what, I want to be able to go to that next level in servanthood. Uh, maybe you've been a Christian for your entire life and you say, you know what, I've really just gotten cold in my walk. Or maybe you say, you know what, I've never started a relationship with Jesus. We want to pray with you this morning. Pastor Adam taught us today that there is a tension in between two kingdoms. I mean, as somebody who works in the corporate world, let me tell you, I know what the enemy tells us to do. It tells us to steal, kill, and destroy. I know that dog-eat-dog, dog, if you're not fighting for the top, then you are going to lose. And as we learn in today's message, today is the day for serving and loving your neighbors yourself. And so this morning, as you're in your room, you're in your coffee shop, you're AirPods in, we want to pray with you this morning. And this is not just a simple moment. This is the moment for you to really make a strategic decision for heaven Maybe you said, you know what, as Pastor Adam talked about, I've been struggling with identity. I don't know who I am, but I want to be identified with Christ. Maybe you said, you know what, in this moment, I do recognize my need for grace, and you've been humbled by that presence of the Holy Spirit. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what, I used to serve Jesus, but I don't anymore, but I want to come back home. Or if you say, you know what, I've never started that initial decision to be with Jesus I want to pray with you this morning. And so whether you're in a coffee shop or at home right now, I want you to make a little mini sanctuary where you're at. And I want you to raise your hand with me in the room and say, you know what, Jesus, I want to start a relationship with you today. And if that's you and that's you in this moment, you say, you know what, Pastor Sean, I am there. I am ready to make that decision. I want to pray with you. And we believe that there's something powerful about words. I mean, God spoke the entire universe into existence, so this prayer matters. But what matters most is what you mean in this moment and whether or not you allow this to be an emotional moment for just a momentary change or if you allow this to be the moment, the christening moment that changes the rest of your life. So if you're ready for this to be the day 
the day that you change from the old kingdom to the new, I want to pray with you right now. So in this moment, raise your hand and get ready to step into the kingdom of God. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. God, thank you for these individuals who are making a decision. And God, we join together with you and we pray together. So pray with me right now. Say, Jesus, I thank you for forgiving me of my sins. And Jesus, right now, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry for the ways I've lived. Jesus, I come to you and I repent. And I ask you to wipe my heart clean. Forgive me for all my sins. Write my name in your book of life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I will serve you for all the rest of my days. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, man. If you made a decision right now, this was a monumental moment. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. And I'll tell you, this is the moment where you're going to look up and you're going to say, man, I turned on the radio and I didn't know the Holy Spirit was going to tell me this. I, I remember praying with somebody at one point. They said for the rest of the week, whether it was me walking into Target or me jumping on the radio, the Holy Spirit was around every single turn. This is your moment for you to be able to have a radically new life in Jesus. And maybe you said, you know what, I didn't make a decision today, but man, I recognize the change that I need to be in serving. And so let's pray right now together about either making a moment for Jesus or for service. God, we just thank you right now for this pa Pastor Adam's message downloaded from the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that this week is gonna be a week of change. God, I thank you that in our workplaces, in the line at Starbucks, at Target, God, we are gonna be radically changed for the sake of the kingdom of God. God, we thank you that the old things have passed away and behold, all things are new. And God, I thank you that we will be christened as servants in your kingdom starting today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, don't let this message simply stay here and not change you today. Don't let your manna die in the wilderness without you taking it in and making it a part of you. And if you made a decision for Jesus, don't let it happen alone. There is no Christianity without the kingdom of God being involved with you as well. As so I'm going to ask you, pull out yourself, and I want you to text this number. Text 469-606-2684. I'd throw it up on the screen, but I'm not cool in technology enough. i got a cool background, though, so that counts for something. But text 469-606-2684. They're going to put it in the chat for you. And text decided to that number. That way that we can actually get connected with a small group. We can get you connected with community. And we can take you to that next level with Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's go out into the world and change it for the gospel. And be sure to serve your neighbor this week. We love you online. And we will continue to see you in the chat.